Field, uh, Superintendent Dr. Matt Hillman. Matt, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. I'm excited to hear we have another uh, outfielder for the Minnesota Twins, and I don't think that we're done trading quite yet. I don't think so either. We'll have to take a look. But I, it's nice to have a backup for Byron Buxton. I mean, this guy will probably play more games than Buxton in center field just due well, to injuries. I have a radical suggestion. I think we should mm-hmm. package Michael A. Taylor and Max Kepler, send them to Miami for Luis Arise. What do you think? <laughs> that tells you how I think about that trade. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's talk about, uh, uh, first of all, you had a school board meeting last night. Uh, before that, uh, let's acknowledge a couple of teams uh, that, that have accomplished some great things in the past week or so. You know, we're getting to that point in the winter season as you, tor- you know get toward the end of January, starting into February. We're just going to start to see some of the uh, conference champions crowned, and you're going to see a handful of other. We're getting closer to sections. It's uh, an exciting time for our winter athletes, and so... Uh, congratulate the boys swim and dive team. They took third place at the state true team meet. And so people who are familiar with swim and dive and track and field, you know, mostly an individual sport, but of course there are team scores held as well. And the state coaches associations uh, hold a true team meet, which means you run it just like you would a a dual meet in terms of everybody's scores count. And, uh, you know, Norfield uh, to, to be the top public school in the state, uh, two private schools took first and second, and so just uh, congratulations to the boys swim and dive team. Just an excellent program, and uh, third team at the true team state meet uh, class A up at the U last weekend. Congratulations to them. And then we just heard yesterday our girls Alpine ski team won the Big Nine conference meet yesterday. So congratulations to those student athletes. And you know we all know if you have people who are listening, if you participate in high school activities, there's just so many life lessons that you learn how to be gracious in victory, how to be gracious in defeat, uh, how to not always get what you want and uh, the trials and tribulations of competition. And those are things that really roll over to the workplace. So congratulations to the success of those two teams. Yeah, good stuff. It is right. good stuff, good yes. Stuff. Uh, let's move into uh, last night's meeting. Uh, first of all, you had the uh, uh, you have a, a longtime employee that will be leaving the district. Yes, and so as part of the consent agenda, uh, the board accepted Cheryl Hall's retirement. And Cheryl Hall uh, is completing her 38th year in public education. She is currently serving as our director of student services, which means she uh, oversees special education. She oversees our uh, health services program. She oversees um, 504 plans you know, for students with medical issues. And you know, Cheryl has been uh, in the district here for more than 20 years and for the last several years is our director of special services. She was recognized with uh, the most prestigious award in her field in Minnesota in 2022 when she was the Minnesota Administrators of Special Education, Special Education Director of the Year. So really a great crowning achievement for her unbelievable career. Anyone who's you know met Cheryl knows she is a champion you know for students, all students, and specifically for students with disabilities. And you know Cheryl will always play a special uh, play, have a special part, place in my heart. Uh, I recall when we were first getting through the first parts of COVID and the state indicated we needed to have a COVID coordinator and uh, overseeing health services. I went to Cheryl and I said, this sounds like it makes sense to you know have you help me with and have I got a deal for you? You're going to get to do the work and we don't really have extra pay for you for this. And Cheryl is just a, a true public servant. She leaned into it and I just very clearly recall and January of 2021, you know, some of the depths of, of how hard the pandemic was. And I thanked her for what she was doing. 
And she said something I'll never forget that just is inspiring to me as a public servant. And she just said, you know, Matt, I'm happy that I can serve our community in this way during this time. And that's what we want all public servants, right, to be looking at. It is public service. It is a vocation. And so congratulations to Cheryl on a great career show. Uh, finish the year. And we'll start uh, the process for hiring a new director of student services uh, in the next few weeks here. All right. Well, congratulations to uh, Cheryl on a uh, career that was, uh, you know, life well lived so far. And And best of luck in the future as well. Made a huge difference, you know, for so many children. So congratulations. Thanks, Jeff. Let's talk about the financial forecast uh, that was uh, presented last night. Probably not as rosy as you would like. Uh, Tell us about that. You know, so it it is what it is, right? Whether it's rosy or not, uh, we deal in reality. And what we do is we face the brutal facts are in front of us. We don't uh, do it with despair. We do it with optimism that we can overcome challenges. That doesn't mean we dismiss the reality. We, of course, lean into the reality. We accept it. And the reality is, you know, we have talked on the show a number of times about the declining enrollment, you know, that is in our school district. And so, uh, we've had uh, several projections on that. We've continued to adjust our staffing and our expenses to try to have a soft landing toward what our new normal will be with a reduced number of students. And we know that our declining enrollment is for two reasons. We know Rice County is uh, seeing far less births than they have in the past. So there's a substantial declining birth rate, not just in Rice County, right, but throughout the state. We know that, that the state demographer has talked about it. You know, and here in Northfield, we have some exciting things going but we still have had a housing shortage for the last several years. So that also impacts our ability to grow our student population. And the vast majority you know, of our funding is, is derived from how many students we have. So we have uh, one of the tools that we have as part of our benchmarks of our strategic plan is a goal for our fund balance. So think of your fund balance, our fund balance, as your rainy day fund, right? That you are putting cash away so that if you have an emergency or you have some unplanned expenses, that you have that amount of cash in the bank. And, you know, for a long time, our board has outpaced several of our similarly sized neighbors uh, with a goal that's pretty high. It's now at 14%. So we want to have 14% of our expenditures in cash, you know, in the bank, uh, so that we are able to weather any storms that might come forward that could be continued issues with enrollment. It could be things like unplanned uh, inflationary expenses, etc. So we finished last year above the 14% goal. The financial forecast is looking out now that we have many more knowns middle of the year. How many students did we actually have? Who are the people that we heard? All those things that were un, you know, some unknowns when we adopted the budget last spring. We now have more information. We do a revised budget in December and in January we do the financial forecast. We are projecting we'll end this year just above 12% in our reserves. That's 2% below what our goal is. And so when we're below our goal, we will look to make uh, adjustments. Um, And next year, we're looking at uh, projecting at the end of next year. So at the end of the 23-24 school year, right now, uh, we're projecting uh, to be at around 10%. So we're going to need to make some additional budget adjustments on top of uh, the uh, $4.5 million of reductions that we made last year. Uh, Again, declining enrollment. Uh, But I also want to share how inflation really... Now, I've talked about inflation long before it was popular to talk about inflation. Isn't that correct, Jeff? And I'm just going to give you one example of how inflation has impacted us. So in the last year, our property insurance premium went up $50,000. $50,000. That's significant. And that's because the inflationary the inflationary pressure on the market uh, increased our 
uh, the value, the replacement value of our school district property by $62 million to around $315 million to replace all of the facilities, et cetera, things that in our district. So that's in one year. And so if you, if you think about all the kinds of regular things that you do in life, property insurance is just one of them. It's, a, it's just that example of how the inflationary pressures are impacting public entities. Now, we did some great work. We use a local insurance agency. They're awesome. They helped us give us some recommendations to reduce that $50,000 by a little bit more than half by increasing our deductible. So that means having a strong fund balance that we just talked about is important. And so we're making those ongoing costs to be as reasonable as we possibly can. But you got to have property insurance, right, for your school district. And so that's an example of how this combination of declining enrollment, inflationary pressure, and then, of course, as we've talked about many times, decades of chronic underfunding. And so as we continue to work with the legislature in St. Paul, we're uh, really asking that they increase the per pupil formula. We're asking that they tie it to inflation. And we're asking that they fully fund. And when I say fully fund, I mean pay every penny of every district's special education cross-subsidy in the state. And the special education cross-subsidy is something that we've talked about many times on the show. It's the general fund money that we pay for required, and I would say morally imperative, services to students with disabilities for which the school district is not reimbursed. So that's where we're at with the financial forecast. Jeff, more to come. I'm intrigued with the inflationary, because a lot of people, you know inflation's out there, but some areas are really seeing some rapid inflation, other areas not so much. What are like the two or three biggest inflationary increases that the school district has had? So I would say the couple of things give you two two examples. One is the one I just shared. Anything to do with insurance, right, in terms of whether it's property or health or things like that, those things have increased. I'm also giving you an example of, it's a good segue to our next uh, topic, which is in our uh, woods classes, the cost of materials, the wood that our students use to do their projects, has risen dramatically to the point where we have nearly exhausted our entire annual budget in the first semester uh, just because the cost of wood had gone up so, so substantially. No one's fault, right? There's no, no one did anything wrong. The budget was a reasonable estimate based upon past performance. But that's an example, another example of how materials that we are uh, securing for those really important hands-on components of our uh, curriculum are just substantially increasing. I, we don't even need to, talk, need to talk to you about eggs, right? <laughs> wow. And remember, our, the most sure. popular uh, elective at our high school is it baking and pastries. So I think the eggs might also play a role. <laughs> wow. Boy, wood class uh, you know, might, might turn into cardboard class in a couple of years. Uh, well, <laughs> this is why you have a reserve, right? Yeah. This is why it's important to have a reserve so that we can try to work through those kinds of things. But it, 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 it's a cascading amount of pressure, Jeff. And everybody knows it when they see these prices that they're experiencing as consumers. And then you just think of it on a much larger scale uh, as a school district. We're very grateful that we have, you know, we've been lauded many times for excellent financial management. But no school, even with the best financial management, can outrun declining enrollment and the inflationary pressure. So we need St. Paul to step up and help out and do some structural fixes. And then we just have to be straight up with the community that we're going to have to continue to adjust our staffing to meet the reality of a lower amount of enrollment. You'd mentioned technical education. Yeah. Uh, that's our next topic. Let's get into that. Yes. And so we all have heard many times, right, about the shortage uh, in the workforce, the unemployment rates uh, being so low and really a lack of skilled workers. When we think about what we would consider to be the traditional trades, we think about healthcare. And so the district has uh, long offered quality programming uh, to students, but we need to make sure that we continue to adjust the programming 
and the skills that we think that our local employers need. And this is a can be a tricky um, it's a, it can be a tricky ball to hit from time to time because the market can change pretty quickly. So we did convene a task force, a career technical education advisory task force. More than around 24 people were involved. There were you know, p- people from all segments of the community representing agriculture, law enforcement, construction. Uh, we invited people uh, you know, from other fields like healthcare, uh, catering. Um, the invite list was quite long, and we had quite a few people who participated. Again, over 20. We spent three meetings talking about what are all of the options that we have, the automotive industry, uh, communications. In fact, Lance Reister from KYM and Radio is part of our team. Uh, they met three times. The first meeting, they really did a map of what are all of the opportunities for students to learn these skills in our community. Yes, we teach skills in our school, but there's other ways kids can learn them too. And that might be part of the future of this. How do we leverage you know, some really uh, real-time, on-the-job kind of training that can also potentially get you school credit? Uh, the next meeting, we had a really robust discussion about what are the skills that employers need. And that was really interesting for all of the stakeholders who are part of this team to hear what was going on and what are the skills that are needed. Many of the skills that were brought forward are things that we do teach in our regular core academic classes. We also learned that there are different skills needed for different fields and the recognition that we have students for seven hours a day, right? How do, how do you pull that off, right? Doing all the things that people want. And then the final meeting, we actually looked through our course book, course book. We took a tour of our facilities and people actually gave us through a power voting process what were the things they wanted us to keep doing with our programming, what are the things they want us to start doing, and what are the areas that they wanted to stop doing. And so we are taking that and we're moving it forward. We're going to try to do some both short-term actions and some long-term actions you know, to continue to make sure that um, our career technical education offerings are relevant to the community. We're also going to take this from just being a task force. Uh, I'm going to recommend that we create an ongoing career technical advisory committee that meets three times a year so that we can make sure we're continuing to listen to our local employers and adjusting our programming to what are the latest needs so we don't get uh, have an antiquated program when skills and other things have changed. That's interesting. I agree that there are, you know, the, the technical training has changed and the jobs have changed since uh, we were back in yes. high school at that time. And, and keeping we up didn't want to be a YouTuber, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, yeah I didn't uh, have anything to do with TikTok back in the, the, the day and age. But uh, uh, the, the rapid uh, the way uh, technology is rapidly changing and the needs of the current employers, uh, you know, so, so many of them are just trying to keep up with uh, the technology and such. So, yeah, uh, technical education is going to be a big, uh, I think, in my opinion, a big thing in the future. And I think we really need to to think more broadly about how do we provide students the opportunities to secure those skills. They need to both be in the classroom and also in the community. Mm -hmm. Anything else you'd like to mention? I think that I look at the clock and I see Tim Nick Niff is getting ready to come (laughs) up, so I know that means it's time for me to exit. Thanks for the time, and thanks to everyone in the community for your continued support and understanding. And uh, we just will, we're going to be happy when winter starts to exit. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> Pardon me. That is Superintendent of the Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman. You're listening to 95.1 FM and AM 1080, KYMN Northfield. We've got Tim News and Sports coming up. Rich has an update after this. This news update is brought to you by Northfield Retirement Community. Rooted in Christian values, Northfield Retirement Community supports independence, dignity, and quality of life for the aging by providing innovative living options and services. 
At Northfield Retirement Community, we truly value our residents and employees. Hi, my name is Jenny Parsons. I've worked at Northfield Retirement Community for over 11 years. I work here because I know that I make a difference in the lives of our residents each and every day. Join our team today and take advantage of opportunities like 